Jesus, thank you for today. Uh, just thank you for um, this space. Thank you for um, the time that, that you've given us um, to, to live our lives for you um, in the way in which we were able to this week. Um, help us to, to live for you um, this coming up week with all the challenges, and, but really help us to live for you today. Help us to live for you today with all the things we have going on in our lives and all the challenges that we might, might be facing right now. Um, help us in this moment um, to, to really just hear you, to hear your word from Second Chronicles 20 today. Um, we just ask you this for your grace. Um, we ask you for your mercy. Um, and Lord, we, we trust that your word um, speaks louder um, than anything that I can say. We just pray for your grace in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Um, <clears throat> one, this is one of, um, for me, this, this text, you know, comes at a very important place in my own life, um, just from, just from life. Um, and won't go into that story about how this, you know, besides, you know, just reading the Bible, but this, this really became a really, a landing spot for me, um, in some, in some cases. And, um, and sometimes in my life. But the reality, the reality is that regardless of how safe we make our lives, right? And so like we, we um, most of us in here might have a smartphone. And when you get a smartphone, you get a, you get a, you buy a little case to protect your smartphone with, right? And so you, you, it's called an otter box. You might get an otter box or something. Then you buy this little case to protect your phone because you want to keep your phone safe. You don't want your phone that when it falls, because it's going to fall regardless of how many cases you put on it, regardless of how many screen protectors you put on it. One day it's going to drop. It's going to drop. Some little kid is going to drop it or some adult is going to drop it and be walking down the street. Bam. And there it is. And then you're thankful that you have that case. Um, I mean, I dropped mine the other day. I don't have a case. <laughs> I got a crack. Got a crack in that thing. It still works. I've had it for like four or five years, so I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, it's already paid for. It doesn't really matter. But here's the thing. So, like, we go through a lot of effort as Americans, and we have the, we have the ability to do so. We live in a place where we have these sort of opportunities. We get to go to the doctor. Um, we have all these ex- accessibilities to medicine and all this sort of stuff. But regardless of how safe we make our lives, regardless of all the things we can do to keep ourselves from out of trouble, bad stuff still happens. Disaster happens. You get that phone call. You know the phone call. You get that phone call from that preemptive screening that you went to. And they say, we need to do a biopsy. We need to take a closer look at that. You, you, you know, you, you know, you know what we're talking about. You, you know, those moments when late at night you get a phone call, man, I was in a car wreck. That's my life. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's those two illustrations are, are in my world. And so get this. We, we're going to look at a text and the Bible deals with real people dealing with real situations. It's not a now it's, it's written in a narrative format. So it's a story, but this is true. This is a real story 
of someone going through a real-life situation, and he found himself asking the question, what do I do when disaster strikes? What, 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 what do we do? What do we do? When? 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 Not, not if. Not if, because the phone's going to drop. It's, it's going to get cracked, right? It's, it's, it, it will drop. Now, you might buy a real expensive case, but it doesn't mean that phone ain't going to drop. So we, we're going to be looking at this guy named Jehoshaphat. Um, so Second Chronicles chapter 20, um, we're going to be looking at, at this passage. Let's read it. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, um, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, parentheses, that is in Gedi. Thank you, author, <laughs> telling us where that is. Okay. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to Seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, oh, Lord. Now, now he, this, this ain't no little wimpy prayer. This isn't like he's sitting there like, oh, Lord. God. Now, you can pray like that, but this is an emergency. Like he, he's facing a national crisis. Three armies are invading and they're going to annihilate him and everyone in his land. And so this isn't calm. This isn't cute. This isn't like him, you know, like, oh, Lord. God. No, he's like, oh, Lord God, like this is a this is a crisis. Oh, Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations in your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if famine will stand before this house, oh wait, if disaster comes, might be, let me read correctly, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house and, and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? <laughs> this is not a cute prayer. This, this, is, this is crisis mode. He's like, Lord, like you got to do something about them, right? Um, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We, and this, this, part, this part gets really real. This is the king talking. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This is the king. This is Jehoshaphat. So let's let's before we really get into answering the question, how what do we do when disaster strikes? Before we can even answer that question, before we can get those points, 
Let's look at chapter 20, verse one. We're going to look at two words for a brief moment. After this, after what? After what? After this. So chapter 20, verse one, after this. So to figure out what the after this is referring to, we got to look at chapter 19. Now understand what's going on. Chapter 19, you got to read what's going on. Chapter 18, but we're not going to go through chapter 18. And so after this, after what? So chapter 19, chapter 19, Jehoshaphat makes some bad life decisions um, by making an alliance with um, the nation of Israel. Um, King Ahab, Ahab was married to Jezebel. Wasn't a great relationship. Read first and second Kings that would then work out well for Israel, for the northern kingdom. And so Jehoshaphat is trying to make a political alliance with northern uh, with the northern tribe, with with uh, Israel. And this man of God, this this man named Jehu, the son of Hanani. <laughs> OK, just these are the names here. So Jehu comes to to Jehoshaphat and essentially he says, bro, don't do that. <laughs> I was like, what, what what you what you doing that for? Like this, this is a bad decision. So this prophet comes and tells him, or I'm going to read it. Should you help the wicked? And love those who hate the Lord. That's this is what the prophet said to him. Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. So we see some rebuke. Verse two, verse three. But there's a good side. Nevertheless, some good is found in you for you destroyed the Asheroth out of the land and have set your heart to seek God. And so before so before we understand what's going on in chapter 20, you got to see the after this. So what we see is. Jehoshaphat makes a bad decision, uh, uh, you know, hanging out, you know, you know, this political alliance with um, with Ahab. The prophet rebukes him for that. He receives that. OK, when you read first and second Kings, first, and second Chronicles, whenever you see a prophet coming on the scene and rebuke somebody, sometimes that doesn't go well for the prophet. Uh, <laughs> sometimes that doesn't go well for the prophet um, immediately. So. Um, so Jehoshaphat is the kind of man he he receives that criticism and and he doesn't like throw this this guy in jail like some others have been thrown in jail. Um, but there's also some positive the this 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 prophet tells him, hey, but you're still a good dude, though. You know, God sees your heart. You're still, you know, trying to seek him and all that sort of stuff. And then we see verses four, four through eleven. And so from from this moment. Jehoshaphat just like goes on a religious campaign to clean up the land, to remove detestable idols and um, and just all this sort of craziness that would have been accompanied with idol worship. Um, and I'm talking about statues, like for real, like statues. And there was a lot of wild and crazy things that were a part of that sort of lifestyle. And so Jehoshaphat went throughout, you know, the land and just kind of did and put that down. And now we get to chapter 20. After this. So but and so but when we think about this, right, let's 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 take this in for a moment. Why is it that sometimes that when we start taking steps closer towards Jesus, why is it that sometimes after those moments, after those moments of, you know, Lord, I'm going to follow you, then everything falls to pieces. Why, why, why is it that, that when sometimes when we start 
we, you know, we had this, this feeling in our hearts that the Lord's been leading us to do it. Then we do it. And then everything falls to pieces. And that's the situation Jehoshaphat was facing. He did what the Lord wanted him to do. You know, he received that criticism that he needed to take. And he set out to reform the land religiously. And he's rewarded. His reward in the next chapter is three armies are coming out to destroy his kingdom. Why is it that sometimes that when we're following Jesus, even in the midst of that being obedient to him, bad stuff still happens? Why is that? After this, after this, chapter 20. So after this, after these religious reforms, after Jehoshaphat is doing all the right things, after Jehoshaphat has gotten his life together, um, after Jehoshaphat has done all the things that he should have been doing in the first place, bad stuff happened. He, he faces a crisis. So now we can try to start unpacking this question. What do we do when disaster strikes? So we see this guy, Jehoshaphat. So after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them, some of the Mayunites, they came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Right? This isn't like a rap battle. This isn't like, you know, a dance off. Like this is with swords. Um, this is with armies. And there are a lot of siege tactics. There are all these sort of things. So like people are going to die. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And, beyond, and, beyond, and behold, they're in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. So when we look at verse three, one of the ways that, that we can figure out how to navigate when we face times of disaster. Verse three, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. One of the ways that we can face and go through some of these these times of disaster is by acknowledging the fear. Now, I'm not saying like, you know, stay, stay afraid. You know, or just, just, you know, just, just sit in it and soak in it, but acknowledge it. Sometimes, you know, like we, sometimes, you know, me, sometimes, you know, in our culture, we just kind of, no, I'm not afraid, you know, but all, all on the inside, you know, all, you know, on the inside, you just, this is just a mess. But we, you know, put on this show that, oh man, you know, I got it all under control, you know, this situation is in my pocket, you know, whatever. And then it's like, but on the inside, it's something totally different. And so one way that we can kind of navigate during times of of disaster is just by acknowledging the fact, man, Lord, I'm afraid. Man, this this scares me. Um, I am deathly afraid. Well, I won't say deathly, not deathly. I really don't like heights. <laughs> I'm not gonna put like I really don't like heights. I don't like heights so much to where like when I'm driving over a hill on a certain road that I drive on a bunch and I drive it over it too fast. I feel it. I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't like heights at all, at all one bit. Um, so there was this one moment several years ago, I was at a camp, um, working with a bunch of students and I found myself on a ropes course. If you don't know anything about ropes courses, they're in the air. You have a harness, you know, and they, and they tell you all these facts when you're on the ground that are really helpful. Like, hey, you know, this can support 500 pounds, you know? And I'm like, 
I know I don't weigh 500 pounds, you know, so this is going to make this, you know, this is real good. You know, it makes me feel safe, you know, so I'm standing there on the ground with uh, my other co-leader and I'm, I'm just looking up. I'm looking up at all this. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't doing this. I tell him I ain't doing this. And now he and I are both adults. And so but he kind of puts me, you know, in sun mode and he's the dad. Now, Lawrence, all week we've been asking the students to to step outside their comfort zone and and to do blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but bro, I don't like heights. You're not feeling me. And so, but anyway, when I got up there, so I finally get up there and uh, I make it all the way to the end. And at the end now, okay, you're supposed to like jump off this thing. You know, there's this big old, you know, (laughs) you know, thing that I'm on and I'm supposed to jump off. Now, remember the harness, you know, can hold 300, like 500 pounds and that's supposed to make me feel safe. But when I'm way up in the air, 500 pounds, you know, and I'm looking down, don't, not really feeling that. And so, and so my, this, the, uh, the other co-leader, he kind of does the ropes course with me. And I just find myself in this place where I'm like, like, I'm so afraid. Like, I know the only way to get down is to jump. But I really don't want to jump because I'm so paralyzed with fear. Now you, you you know I got off, <laughs> so so you know I got off. So so because I'm here, right? I'm still not on that thing, you know. But so I, I jumped at some point. But it's helpful though to acknowledge the fact that we're afraid. But there's another way that we can navigate through disastrous events, and we see that in verse three. Now I'm I'm going to put put a couple things together. Um, Seek the Lord together. So the second way that we can navigate through tough times, navigate through during times of disaster is seek the Lord together. And I'm, I'm putting emphasis on the word together because sometimes we live in a culture that is so individualized that to, to the point to where that when we're facing tough times, no one else knows about it. We're walking through tough times and no one in our community No one in our friend groups, no one in our lives knows about the times that we need the most help. So we need to seek the Lord together. So where's that in the text? Let's look at verse three and four. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. That was kind of kind of private and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah that came to seek the Lord. And so before we even can unpack, what does that mean to seek the Lord? We need to emphasize just for the moment, seek the Lord together, together, right? Because sometimes it's so easy to just like, you're going through a bad time, but then you don't want to be that person that, you know, well, you know, I don't want to tell this person, you know, what's going on in my life because they have so many things going on in their life too. And the thing that's going on in my life isn't as big as the thing that's going on in this person's life. And so then I don't really know who I can talk to about this problem. And so then you know, I don't want to be a person that always tells people my problems because then they might not want to talk to me. And so then you just internalize all of it. And then you just walk through this season of just feeling real bad unnecessarily <laughs> because you could have just talked to somebody. You just could have just talked to somebody and say, hey, this is someone that you trust. Right. Um, and tell them about what's going on in your world. So we see Jehoshaphat 
seeking the Lord. So he rallies the, the troops together to seek the Lord with each other. And just for a moment, just for a moment, let's just kind of talk about some of the ways how we can see how we see Jehoshaphat seeking the Lord. So in verse three, what what is now your your version might not say it exactly like the way that mine does. But so Jehoshaphat comes together, you know, he seeks the Lord, you know, kind of makes up his own mind to do it. Then he gets the people together. But what's that thing that they that he's calling everybody to do? He says he proclaims a, a fast. A fat, a fast. What you fasting for? Okay, so now, now, now we got to ask that question. We have to ask that question. Why are they fasting? We got, we got to ask that because it makes no sense. Because how many groups of people are coming out against them? Three. They have, they have three armies coming out against them. Now I don't know about you. Now if I was a soldier in Jehoshaphat's army, if I was a part of the nation of Judah. And I know that I have three armies coming out against us. And the king says, don't eat. Three armies are coming out, guys. I got a great battle plan for us. We're going to starve. That's the battle plan. We're going to starve and we're going to pray. So we're not going to eat. So three armies are coming out against us. And Jehoshaphat's game plan, his game plan, the way that they're going to make it through this time is Hey guys, I got a killer plan for us. We're not gonna eat. <laughs> like, we're not, we're not, he's he's not doing battle strategy. He's not getting swords, he's not getting shields, he's not talking to his commanders and generals and any of that. Step one. Step one, guys. We're gonna we're gonna make it. Step one is don't eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Don't don't eat any of that. It just doesn't make sense. If you're looking at it from one particular angle. So he so this this fast is 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 really trying to get to the heart of the matter is that we have no strength. Like so this fast is really for Jehoshaphat and his group, a very humbling experience because they are taking proactive steps to not be ready. Like this fast is making them physically weak. So that when the enemy comes, because the enemy is coming. And so if God doesn't come through, because they're fasting, the whole nation is fasting. If God doesn't come through, this nation absolutely will fall. <laughs> like they might have stood a chance had everybody been eating some meals. They might have stood a chance, maybe. But let me tell you, they definitely are not standing a chance. These three troops come through. And then everybody's like in the middle of battle and his stomach is just grumbling. You know, like, you know, I've been around hangry people. Now, I've been around some hangry people in my life. Now, you know, they might be able to take down, you know, four or five people being hangry, but maybe not three armies. So he declares a fast. So one way that we that we see Jehoshaphat seeking the Lord is that he proclaims a fast. And this fast is more of this idea of of just humbling himself before the Lord and communicating and really just putting it out there for everybody. We don't have the strength. Like we don't have the resources. God, Jesus, we, we need you. Okay. Um, and so, and we also see, and we're going to spend some time just very quickly looking at his prayer. So, so we see two different. Okay. So we see, seek the Lord together. 
All right, that's that's the main point. But then also we see the two other ways of how we can seek the Lord is by fasting, whatever that looks like for you. Now, you know, within reason, um, you know, if you got some health challenges, you know, you probably don't need to do certain kinds of fasts. Um, But we also see prayer. Those are the two ways that we can seek the Lord together. And then our third point. So here's but but we see another way. So we're going to really highlight verses five through twelve in his prayer. And and he shows us another really key principle on how we can navigate during times of when of disaster. Remember God. Remember, remember God. He he shows us in verses five through twelve. It just screams. Don't forget about Jesus. <laughs> don't don't forget about Jesus. You got bad stuff going on in your life. You got some difficulty. You got some disaster going on. Verses five through 12, just really just scream out. Don't forget about Jesus in the midst of this difficulty. So we see. Remember, God. So let's let's kind of look at his prayer in verse six. He we, we see this idea of um, remembering God's rules. So he got three nations coming at him. He and he prays, oh, Lord. God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations in your hand of power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Remember God's rule. Remember God's control. That, and so now, again, that's kind of easy to say, but, but when we're in those moments of, of like everything is falling apart, it's really easy to forget about God. And, and that sounds so weird. But it but it just happens because like you're you're thinking about this. Or, oh, man, you're, uh, you're like, oh, I don't know <laughs> what I'm about to do. What's my next decision? Remember, remember, God, remember God's rule. We see that in verse six, verses seven and eight. We see remember God's past provision. Remember his past provision. Um, seven and eight. So here's what Joseph says. Did you not? Our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name. He recounts not just for himself, but for the people. Hey, guys, remember, God provided for us in the past. Like he he did that. That was a thing. And what Jehoshaphat and here's the, the beautiful thing about what Jehoshaphat is referring to in these moments. Jehoshaphat. <clears throat> doesn't have the luxury of what we have today being on this side of the cross. Jehoshaphat doesn't have a Bible. He doesn't have Genesis through Revelation. He doesn't even have Malachi. (laughs) I mean, he, he, he doesn't even have the prophets. He, you know, he doesn't have first Kings first. He doesn't have any of that. He just has like some, some reports that he's heard from like a couple hundred years ago about this guy named Elisha and things like that. And so when he's saying these things, he's referring to the first five books of the Bible. He's referring to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So when he's talking about remembering God's past provision, he's going to the Old Testament. because That's all he has. That's all he has. He's working off of the Torah. You know, God bringing bread from the sky. Like God parting the sea like that. that is, these are the moments that he's referring to. He doesn't have Jesus in the cross, the resurrection. None of that. 
He's just working with, you know, Leviticus, you know, slaughter an animal, <laughs> you know, do that. You know, that's, that's what he's working with. And he's saying, based off of those experiences, he's saying, remember God's past provision. Then we also see in verses 8 through 12, and you, you could put a lot of different words on these, um, but we see in verses 8 through 12, we see remember God's power. And I, I'm going to talk about that. Remember God's power, verses 8 through 12. And they have lived in it and have built for you sanctuary. He's still talking about the house in verse 9. If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? And let's just really look at these last couple words, these last couple sentences. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So we see this king who is the military, com- the, 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 the commander in chief of the armed forces in Judah. We see the one who's in charge of all the affairs. Three armies are coming out and he says in a prayer, guys, well, I don't know what to do. Guys, you know, we're going to not eat. That's part of the game plan. And uh, he ends this prayer with saying, God, we have no strength, no strength at all. And so we, so he, even though he is in this position of power, even though he's in this position of responsibility, even though he's in this position to, to make decisions that affect a lot of people, he recognizes his place in this system. And he says, God, we can't do it. We can't, we can't do it. And so in those moments of in our lives when we're facing the unknown, when we're facing those things that are so much more bigger than all of us, that then, you know, whatever those things are, what this text kind of could, could help us remember is that God's powerful. And this isn't like some hokey pokey, you know, like I'm going to pray and, you know, and, you know, something might happen or, or whatever. Like this, like he is talking about a, re- a very real being. Like, this isn't like a fairy tale for him. This is real life. And he's saying that we don't have the strength. And if we're honest, right, if we're honest, there are times in our lives when we kind of walk through situations and we act like we got it all together. And we, we act like we ain't afraid. We act like this isn't hard. We act like this isn't tough. We act like, oh, this isn't a big deal. But on the inside, our worlds are blown apart. And instead of just acknowledging that in prayer, God, you're the only plan. You're, there's no plan B here. There's not, a, there's not a backup plan. Lord, like, you're, this is it. Like, if you don't come through on this, this is all falling to the ground. But sometimes, see, but get this, right? But sometimes we insulate our lives so much with safety and security to the point to where we never find ourselves in a place to where Jesus is our only option. Because sometimes being obedient, so get this, right? So being obedient, 
for, Je- for Jehoshaphat is what led him in this situation. Him being obedient to God is the reason why right now he is in his group are hungry and not eating anything. Like his obedience, his obedience, his faithfulness is one of the reasons why he finds himself cast in this place where there is no other option other than Jesus. And so sometimes we put so much safety in our lives to protect ourselves from God being our only option. Now, safety is a great thing. We should try to be safe as much as we can because that's awesome and we have the opportunity. But however, are we so safe to where Jesus is like, like in no time at all, Jesus, you know, he's like plan C because we have all these. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be prepared for life. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, do those proactive things that are that responsible adults should do. But however, sometimes we could be so focused on being safe, so focused on just, you know, our personal safety to the point to where this idea of Jesus being our only option, like that's just not even a thing ever. But when we do find ourselves in that place, What Jehoshaphat shows for us is that that there are times in our lives where it's okay for us to say, I don't know. When we get the doctor report of blank, when we face blank situation, it is okay. But one of the things Jehoshaphat shows us is that it's okay for us to say, someone says, hey, how are you doing today? You know, about, you know, I heard you went, you know, to the doctor, la, 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 and then you give them what's going on and then. Jehoshaphat shows us here that, you know, it's okay in certain certain circumstances and situations to say, I don't know what I'm going to do. But Jehoshaphat shows us also where his direction is. So get this. So this is why it's so important. He says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, not on himself, not on his own ability, not on his own resources, not on his own strength. But he says he's acknowledging I have no strength, but he's also acknowledging where his focus is going to be. And he's saying, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know, but I'm just going to keep looking at him. Maybe, maybe I'm going to keep looking at him and something might happen. He might he might do something. You know, something might work out on our behalf. But what he's saying for us is that there are times when we face the unknown, when we face challenges that it's okay for us to, in certain moments, certain certain situations with certain people, to be like, man, this is tough. I don't know how I'm going to walk through this situation. But somehow, I know that God's going to get me through it. And so as we think about when we face disaster, when those times come, from this short little passage, 2 Chronicles 21 through 12, we see just a couple of things. One, remember, we can, it's okay to acknowledge the fear. Don't dwell in it, but to just uh, acknowledge it. Lord, I'm afraid. <clears throat> but then later on um, in the story that we're not going to be able to get to, the, a prophet comes and says, don't be afraid. Right? And he gives them some encouragement um, about what they need to do. But it's okay to acknowledge the fear. We also see that we need to seek the Lord together. This is not 
you know, John Wayne Christianity. I'm just going to be a Lone Ranger Christian. But then also, the third way that we can navigate during those times is to remember God. And so, I don't know what that looks like for you in your life, um, but what we see in this text helps us, can, can help us face life's uncertainties if we, myself included, would remember to come back to this. Because we, we have a whole Bible, we have the resurrection, we have Jesus, we have all these things more clearly than he does, than Jehoshaphat does. But the question for us is, how will we respond when life's disasters hit? Not if, but when. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Um, thank you for this time. And Jesus, thank you that you were with this guy named Jehoshaphat. Thank you that you were with him. <clears throat> and you left us this very awesome story, this, this true account of a person dealing and wrestling with fear, wrestling with great uncertainty. And Jesus, thank you that, that today that we have a much clearer picture of what hope looks like because of what you did for us on the cross and because of your resurrection. And so Jesus, in light of the things that we know about you, in light of who you are and what you've done for us, Jesus, help me and help us, regardless of what those moments look like, in our lives. Help us, one, to be people um, that trust you in the midst of that. And Jesus, help us to be people that can help reach other people who are drowning in despair um, because they don't see a way out. Um, help us to be those sort of people. In Jesus' name, amen.